I love that because straight out of the book of Job, where we're going to be this morning, when God encounters Job for the first time after all of his feelings of abandonment and, and that God had left him and given up and God was angry at him. And Job believes so many wrong things about God. There's so many things that people believe about God that are, that are lies or deceptions that keep them from being close to the Lord and intimate uh, with him. And so I want to end Job's conversation with his friends, the last thing he says, I want to set that up so that we can go to his encounter with the living God. But in chapter 31, these are the last words that Job speaks before he encounters God. In verse 35 of chapter 31, he says, oh, that I had someone to hear me. He doesn't feel, you know what it's like, what's it like praying when the devil tells you nobody's listening? Come on. If you've ever tried to pray, you felt that. You felt stupid. You felt like it was hitting the ceiling, coming back, landing on uh, wherever you're praying. You feel like God's either too busy or God's not even there or God doesn't care. He doesn't hear you. Because look at you. Who would hear? You don't want to hear you. And God, Why would God hear you? So Job's in this, this feeling of abandonment. and God's silence has been interpreted by the devil as that he's angry at you. So you can let the devil paint reality in your mind to the blanks of life, and he'll fill them in, but he never fills them in with good things and true things. They're things of deception. So Job says, I, I just need someone to hear me. I'll sign my defense right now. Let the Almighty answer me. Let my accuser, see that's his concept of God, that God's an accuser. And who is the accuser? Satan behind the scenes that the Bible says accuses us before God day and night. But that's what the devil can get us convinced. It says in the last days, people will believe that good is evil and evil is good. Are we not there? People doing horrendous things saying that's good. It's my free choice. It's good. I mean, Job is like, got it all wrong but I don't fault him because if I'd have gone through all he went through, I may not even be, I, I don't know where I could be. I, 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 someone has said that, that other than Jesus, Job is the greatest believer in the Bible. And I agree. That doesn't mean he didn't have weaknesses and struggles and honest to God conversations. And he was angry. He felt overlooked. He said, I want to see the Almighty that he'll answer me. Now, let me just help you. When we get done, God's about to ask Job 77 questions and never lets Job ask one thing. Job ends with his hand over his mouth saying, I got nothing to say. And this is God not mad. This is God coming to heal and restore. As we sang that first song this morning, I've been restored to the love of God. He's about to get rid of it. How God does it as only God could blow our minds. Nobody could have ever written a script. People still don't grasp it. They don't understand it. It's just an amazing way that he comes about restoring this son of his. So go with me. There's, there's like six chapters after this of this long-winded, young, arrogant preacher that at the end of it, nobody even responds. Job doesn't say anything. God doesn't say anything. It's kind of like, okay. I mean, he didn't say really anything new, nothing helpful. 
and a lot that was unnecessary, and he's just a windbag, and I just say, God, protect me from being that. I'm sure that I have over the years. There was a time I preached for an hour and 30 minutes on a Sunday morning. Hour and 15 was cutting it short, and I'd have tourists get up every Sunday and walk out and slam the door. Because they didn't want to spend their whole vacation listening to some young guy pontificate on stuff he really probably didn't know anything about. I would have left me if I was me back then. I'd be like, dude, you know, you could cut out about 45 minutes and it'll be even a better message. And so anyway, be, ha- be, be happy that you've caught me when I'm on the latter years on Route 66 where I run out of breath and I get weak. And it's like, I couldn't go that long if I wanted to. Anyway, so God doesn't respond to this wind full of wind, young preacher that was arrogant, but God does show up. In chapter 38, it says, then the Lord, I love that. I just, when I read the Bible, you just pause, you know, just read through, you just kind of stop. Everything changes when you have those three words, then the Lord. And no matter what's happened, what's got Job's gone through, no matter what's been said or un- not said, whatever, he, remember Job's sitting in a dung heap right now, dung hill, in a pile of burnt refuse, excrement, if that's, I never say that word right. I'm, I'm so used to saying the bad word that I can't say a, a good word right. And so he's sitting in dung that's been burned. He's in that dung hill. We talked about that last week, which you can always go uh, listen to our archive messages. And, 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 and I love the fact that God's going to meet him, then the Lord. He, he's going to meet Job right on this dung hill. And it still has boils. As he goes through this, God doesn't heal him and then talk to him. God restores him to himself first. Then he restores his body. Then he restores his friends. Then he restores his finances. Then he restores his marriage. Then he restores his children. New children. Just beautiful redemption. Then the Lord answered Job out of the storm. Now, let me just put in context here a couple things. Don't see the storm as an intimidating uh, sense of God trying to overwhelm. It's just when God, it, it, it's, a, it's a phenomenon all through the Old Testament that when God would appear or if it's the pre-incarnate Christ, the Son of God appearing, there was always, it, it just, God can't just show up and not have an effect. I mean, it just, it's just the dust of his chariots coming in. I don't know what, however he landed. It, didn't, it wasn't a UFO that came down and he walked off of the stairs. God didn't need anything to get anywhere. He was already there. But anyway, he shows up. As that church we prayed for uh, this morning, Pastor Kim did, the Epiphany, Episcopal. Epiphany means an appearance, a, a revealing. So God shows up. Now, the storm is typically characteristic of God, but it's not the storm that captures Job. Don't say, well, if God showed up like this to me, well, he just did in September 28th, 2022. Wasn't that the date Ian came through? Did I get it right? Do we remember that date? We're going to plan something this year. I don't know what we're going to do, but we're going to do something. Blow it out on September 28th, 2023, a year later. God showed up in a storm. But as Brian said in his remarks, a great line, Storms don't create character, they reveal it. And not everything I saw in me was good. Maybe you saw some things in you that weren't good. 
God will use a storm. He'll use a crisis, but it's not the crisis that changes Job. It's not the crisis that changes people. You would think that, uh, that somebody that got a diagnosis of cancer, that that crisis would rock them into a new place, that they would, they would come to God. There would be, and sometimes that happens, but not always. Going through a broken relationship can cause people, going through the loss of income and, and finances can, can cause people to be rocked and shaken, but it, sometimes it just exposes the bad, and, and we have suicide rate running rampant in our county from the hurricane. Distress, despondent, people that don't, don't and it's, it's usually middle-aged white males. They just find no reason to live. And that despair of darkness can come in these storms. And remember the story of Elijah in 1 Kings chapter 19? He had this huge encounter with the false prophets and wins his victory, but he expected it to sweep into a Jesus revolution for the whole nation, and it doesn't. And he's intimidated by uh, uh, the king Ahab and, his, and the queen Jezebel. And he runs and he hides and he gets in the cave and he prays to die. This is Elijah, the man of faith. He prays to, and he has this encounter with a wind that blows rocks and breaks him up that would have made Ian look insignificant. And then there's this earthquake that shakes the ground and rattles everything. But it says God wasn't in the wind and God wasn't in the earthquake and then it says there was this fire. It could have been bolts of lightning from heaven or, or like a volcanic erupt. We don't know. But God wasn't in the fire either. God whispers to Elijah in a still, small voice. That tone that you capture, I want to bring to this story. Because the storm subsides or is off. We're just giving them privacy but the father is about to interact with his son. And you've got to get the tone right or you miss the heart of this encounter. Because you, you've got to have an understanding of the nature and the heart of our God. You've got, you, you have to bring tone to the Word of God. The, the, the Holy Spirit has to help us. If we're not careful that we bring baggage to the Bible, especially with a, a father figure that was not a good father figure. But so God speaks out of this storm. And I can just see him just, it's, and, he, and he says in verse 2, now I'm going to just read it bland. Who is this that darkens my counsel with words without knowledge? Brace yourself like a man. I will question you and you shall answer me. Like if you were talking to Siri or some voice of Siri, that's what you'd get. There's no emotion. There's no passion. But here's what you could get if you bring the wrong thing, if you bring anger into this. Who is this that darkens my counsel, you arrogant? I can't, I don't even, I, words without, you have no, no, you're stupid. You're just stupid. You don't even know what you're talking about. Who are you? you, you you're just a, 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 just, you better get ready. You need, to, you need to step up here, get ready, because I'm about to ask you some questions. And you better have some good answers. You better get it right, or you're going to get it. Now, you could read it that way if you have a concept of God, like some people would portray. And, and now he's not, a, he's not a wimpy father that indulges whiners. 
he's, he's, he's not happy with some ways that Job's been talking about him. So this is a firm conversation. This is a put my hands on both shoulders, look me in the eye. I'm going to talk to you, but, but it's not I'm looking down at you because he tells Job, basically put on your big boy pants. In, in their culture, it would be tucking in the robe and the belt if they were either going to go to battle or they were going to race. So he basically says, you're going to run with me, son. I, well, we're going to have a conversation here. I want you to pay attention, but I'm going to talk to you as an equal. This is where parenting changes. You, you have to learn to raise your children knowing someday they're going to look eye to eye to you as an equal. And if you constantly, you can't, if you raise daughters like I did, they reach a point where you're not going to parent them anymore. They don't need a cop. That, those days are over. At best now, you're a mentor, you're an influencer, and you're a support. But God comes to Job as an equal. This is God humbling himself. I'm going to talk to you like a man, like Adam in the Garden of Eden. When God walked with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day, whistling, enjoying creation, he's about to take Job for a walk. And this changes everything, if you can put it in that context. If you can see the father that's come to his son that's been desperate, I want a jury and a trial, and I want to put you on the stand, God, because you've got it wrong. And Job's going to find out, no, no, you're not going to put God on trial. And I know the world loves to, and the world will put, and the world thinks they're going to get a chance to interrogate God someday. And it, it ain't going to work that way. The great white throne isn't you interrogating God. It's us standing naked before God with nothing around us and without a defense attorney unless you've got Jesus. That's another story. If you've got Jesus, he's your advocate. He's your mediator. He's your intercessor. He's your priest. He puts his arms around you. When you stand up and say, I say yes to Jesus as Lord, he puts his arm around and says, Father, I say yes to this as our child. This is my son. This is our daughter. This is my brother. This is my sister. That's Jesus at the throne. I'm not going to say, God, you owe me anything. No, no, no. God doesn't owe anybody anything. And even Job, that wanted all these answers, he doesn't get one explanation from God. Not one. God says, let's go for a walk, son. I can't. I wish if you guys would just let me live in the old days. Of course, I'd probably pass out. I couldn't make it that long. But I'd love to preach through all of this. I'm going to leave it to you to, to take some time and read through. These are some of the most poetic, beautiful writings of nature and creation and the cosmos that you'll find. And it's, it's, it's put in the context of God restoring a son back to him. It's, it's not just cute information. It's not just interesting intrigue. It's the father curing the son of the lies that he's believed about him. So he takes him on this journey. He says, come on, son, we're going to go for a walk. And I love this because he starts out in verse, remember, there's 77 questions here. And Job can't answer one. It's not, well, he got half of them right. None of them. God says, son, let me ask you a question. My father-in-law is notorious for doing this. It just makes me think of Rick. Because he'll say, Jamie, let me ask you a question. And you know, you're, you're, 
There's always more to that question than the question. And that's this situation right here. God says to his son, Job, where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? Like a master builder. God who was the architect of creation, the designer, and the contractor. Job says, were, were you? Where, now, let me, let's think. Now, now, where were you? Where, now, where? Oh, you weren't born yet? Oh, whoa, me. Maybe that can explain some of your ignorance. You weren't there. And by the way, no human was there. And so we have all these bright scientists trying to find the origins of man and the destiny, and all they can come up with at best is either a big bang blew up, and, and you know, that's why I tell people, if a big bang created the world, it'd be like if you blew up this building and an iPhone 5 came out, already loaded, already loaded with your contacts. If you can believe that can happen, then believe in the big bang theory. It's, it's insanity. It's insane. So God says, Job, I'm, I'm, I want to orient you here. You've got some limitations. It's okay. Embrace them because it'll free you from thinking you need to be me. Because you don't need to. I do a good job at being God, and I don't need any help. I didn't need your help building the world. Now, every question will have implications to Job to make application. So he says, where were you when I marked off the dimensions, verse 5, and, and I stretched out the measuring line across it, and we can't even get to the measuring line. We don't have a tape measure that goes billions of miles into space. Are you there yet? No. Did you find the beginning or the ending or the outline? No. And it's just like, to God, it's like a few inches. And we think, well, it took... It took so many years for that satellite to travel billions of miles. And we can't even bear to get out of our solar system. At best, we, we could find some black hole that just sucks in all of our whatever anyway. We don't, we don't, there's so many things. We don't know. Why did God put the black hole so people would find the black hole and go, there's a black hole. Wonder what that leads to. And all of our knowledge, because some people could say this is simplistic and science has answered these questions. And no, it hasn't. And it hadn't brought us any closer to God having bigger telescopes. It hadn't brought us any closer to God landing on the moon. And, and the more we know about creation, the less we tend to know about God. I don't know why that is. And then God says to him, he talks about the oceans, which is amazing, and the, the seas and the morning. And, and he goes down to verse 16. He says, have you journeyed to the springs of the sea? Do you know that the, the deepest places that we've found are six and three quarters mile deep. Now that's like driving from here to what is 41, six miles away? That's probably beyond 41. Six miles deep. We, and, and he said, Job, have you been down there lately? No. Again, well, we have submarines now that can, maybe they can go down there. That doesn't give us any more. You go down there and you find fish with this thing hanging over their head that's like a lantern. Figure that out. No human seen that fish since God created it thousands of years ago. And we happen to come upon it, and it's got a light in the dark hanging over its head. It's unbelievable. But God's taking Job on a tour, and he says this. He says, not only 
Have you been to the deep place? Verse 17, have you been to the underworld? Verse 17, have the gates of death been shown to you? Have you seen the gates of the shadow of death? In other words, do you, do you know what's after the grave? No, nobody does. Old people have dreams, and, you know, I always put those in the category of, mm, I don't know. I don't put them in the category I'm going to build my life on it. Because you can have some really bad dreams, bad visions. People that, that write about having seen heaven, I never believe them. Because Paul's the only one I know of that did, and God wouldn't let him write about it. So when you have someone that says, oh, I've seen heaven. Nah, maybe you've seen some things you thought. But it's, don't, don't put that in the category. That's not Bible. Let's just go. But Job is thinking, no, I've, I've never been to the Bible. I don't know what's beyond death's door. God's like, verse 18, have you comprehended the vast expanses of the earth? No, no, sir. Now it's sir. I'm adding that. No, sir. I, you know. And he says, I love this line because it's a couple times in this. He says, tell me something, son. Remember the tone. It's not, tell me. It's, son, tell me something. Did you know all this? If you know all this, just let me know. Am I boring you here? Am I telling you stuff that you already know? And No, no, I, I don't know. I don't understand. I didn't think you did. I'm trying to help you understand who you are and who I am. Because there's a big difference between me and you. Though I'm right here talking to you with the, giving you the value because you're made in my image. There's no other creature, no angel, no animal. No, no, nothing in all of creation was made in God's image and likeness but us. In our diversity, feminine, masculine, different cultures, different colors. It's, it's, it's the image of God. And Job is connecting as that honor that God would take this individual, private, personal time to come and to walk with him through the cosmos. And he goes on and he, he shows him the, the, the snow and the hail, the lightning and the winds and the thunderstorms. And in verse 26, I love this. It's just kind of, God says to him, you know, I water land where nobody lives. A desert that no one's on it. Now think about that. To satisfy a desolate wasteland and make it sprout with grass. God says, you know, when I get the hose out, I love, I, my, my new love, we planted like all these eureka palm trees. They're my, I like, they're my friends. They're just, I love them. I can't even tell you how many I put in. I'm like a crack addict on eureka palms. And it's just given me privacy back in my property. And, I, and so I have to water them. I love it. I stand there, it takes me a good hour to get through all of my, and I'm just watering them because I want them to grow bigger and be a bigger hedge and block me from certain sounds and different, you know, anyway. So I, I, I love the, God says, I water ground that nobody even knows. Nobody lives on it. Why would you do that, God? Because I like it. I like the flowers that are going to blossom in that desert. It's fun for me. God does some things purely, strictly for pleasure. He just likes it. There's no other explanation. 
You'll see that in a minute as we go through some of the animals that God makes. And so God says, I water, you know, and then he goes on about the stars and can you, can you, can you bind them? Can you bring them forth? Do you know the laws? Can you raise your voice to the clouds? Do you send the lightning bolts? I mean, it just goes on. Then he goes into the animal kingdom, back down to where Job lives. Do you, verse 39 of chapter 38, do you hunt the prey for the lioness? In other words, who feeds the lions? Well, in a zoo, humans do, but these are wild creatures. Do you hunt the prey for the lioness? And do you satisfy the hunger of lions when they crouch in their dens or lie in wait in the thicket? Who provides food for the raven when its young cry out to God and wander about for lack of food? Think about ravens crying out. They're one of the smartest birds there are. Ravens are really, they're aggravating, and they're thieves, but they, they're, they're really smart. Now, this reminded me, and this whole tone of this, of Jesus in his gospel talking to some of the people listening about worrying. And I want to put this uh, scripture up, Luke. I want you to follow with me. Luke 12. Yeah, 12. And, and Jesus says to, to, just like God, saying, Job, have you thought about Think of Jesus. Hey, have you guys thought about the raven? God's just talked about it. Same God. Now he's Jesus on the dunghill of earth. This was Christ before he was a human on the dunghill with Job. And he's pulling Job out of himself. See, depression sucks you in. Depression is a black hole. Anxiety becomes a black hole. Despair is a killer. People can live without food. They can live without water, certain amount of time. You can't live without hope. And when the devil steals hope, he puts you in a black hole of there's nothing that's going to get better. Job is in a black hole that God is pulling him out by getting his eyes off the dunghill, forgetting his boils and the worms. God's taking him to just a bird, just a bird. Why? Why? He's not just showing off that, wow, look what I can do. If he was going to do that, he'd have shown him a, a duck-billed platypus. You know what that is? They're from Australia. Nobody here from Australia? I don't want to hurt your feelings. But it's the most, I did a report on it in sixth grade. That stuck with me. And I made a paper mache duck-billed platypus. It was amazingly bad horrible. It looked like another creature from a dark blue. It has a bill like a duck, but it's a mammal. But mammals don't lay eggs. It lays eggs. And it puts them in a pouch, and it breastfeeds them inside the pouch when they grow, has webbed toes with a, with a toenail that can pierce you with poison. You're not going to pick one up and go, oh, they're so cute. Ah, stabbed you. There you go. I don't, I don't think it could kill you, but they're just, but why did, what was God thinking? Well, he was thinking Australia had so many things. He just got leftover parts when he was making stuff. So he just threw together that duck. That's what all got left over. Some creatures look like that. What was he thinking? What was he? So Jesus said, think about the ravens that they don't sow or reap. They don't have a storehouse or a barn. Yet God feeds them. The same thing God said in Job. And here's the money in this. The next verse, who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life, verse 26, since you can't do this very little thing, why are you worrying about the rest? He's healing Job of anxiety and worry and fear, despair, because here's the money, 
Verse 20, but he just threw me off. We're, we're not 27, not 26. It's, it's more valuable than a, is, that, is, is Bill offsides again? Offsides, Lyman, offsides. Is are you not more valuable than these? Probably 28, maybe. Let's go a little further. Holding on number 78. Be kind. Is it up there? That's not it. I'm, I'm, I'm just going to move on. I'm going to tell you what it says. You can look it up later. Jesus says, aren't you more valuable than these? In other words, that's what he's telling Job. He's telling Job that, you know, if, if, if God does this for birds and flowers, or God does this for snow and rain, you're his image. You, 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 you're more valuable. 24, thank you. Someone Googled it. Verse 24. We were there. And I didn't read it all. So it's on me. Sorry, Bill. The replay, they dropped a flag. They replayed it and said, that was, that was bad on the pastor. I mean, instant replay is horrible. Don't you love those commercials in America? You throw that flag down and they re replay it and she looked. On, on me, buddy. On me. Yet God feeds them. How much more valuable are you than birds? See, this is where some nature people miss it. God loves his creation. The Bible says if a sparrow dies, God knows about it. A sparrow. He cares for, for places that no humans live. But compared to us, there is no comparison. We're in his image. The animals he loves and delights in. We're, a dog is not equal to a baby. Now, in our home, that doesn't, that doesn't work because he is our baby. And if a thief broke in and said, I'm going to kill some, one of you, the dog or Jamie, Kim's going to be like, I'm going to have to think about that. <laughs> I know Jamie will hopefully go to heaven. Not sure on the dog. I'm like, shoot him! Shoot him! I love him, but I ain't going to die for my dog. Let me just help you. And Jesus didn't die for my dog. He died for your babies. He died for you. And we live in a culture that you could do bad things to a dog and get in more trouble than if you did bad things to a baby in a mama's womb. Now, that's a culture that's gone stupid. That's a culture that doesn't get any of this because this is God's a designer. He made, he made humans complex DNA. I can't grasp it. I, people try to explain chromosomes and blah, 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 blah. The, the helix whatever deal and I just know that we're more complicated than a computer because we made the computers let me just help you computers are sharp but they're stupid because we can unplug them unless you watch science fiction movies where they plug themselves back in and they take over and we're done so God's coming along here with Job, and he's not trying to crush him or embarrass him or say you're stupid or you moron you should know he's like 
I love all of this, Job, but how much more do I love you? I'm doing a pretty good job running the universe. Can you trust me to run your life even though it hurts and there's pain and suffering and there's no answers? And just a couple more. Let me give you a couple more. So he goes, he goes down the animal kingdom in, in chapter 39, and, and he, you know, he, uh, uh, he, I just got to do with this one. Verse 13 of 39. The wings of the ostrich. Who would have thought about it? I would have picked so many other animals then ostriches are just, they're just, and, and nobody, who has a, anybody here has a pet ostrich? No, they're stupid. And so, oh, that's not nice. Well, wait, God's going to tell you that same thing. The wings of the ostrich flap joyfully, but they don't go anywhere. Who makes a bird with wings that flap? Now, evolutionists would say, well, it just didn't quite keep changing. It didn't stretch enough to become like a hawk or an eagle, and it just got stuck. And you. you ever wonder with evolution why it stopped? You ever wonder that? You have, when's the last time you've seen somebody walk out of the sea with a tail behind them, and the tail drops off, and they start standing upright, and they're walking among us, and their hair goes off? I mean, that, that, it's just a stupidity. You say, that's offensive. No, the Bible says you're a fool, if you say there's no God, if you say there's no creator, you just defined yourself as all of this was just happenstance. We live in a randomness of whatever, and Stephen Hawkins might be brilliant, but he can't find God in his knowledge because he's not found out by information. He's found out in relationship. Job is getting a lesson in how much God loves him, how intricate he's designed the universe. He cares for the universe. He waters deserts that nobody lives on because he just cares about it. But then he makes these creatures like this ostrich. This is, God. just, I love this. He says, verse 14, she lays her eggs in the ground and lets them warm in the sand, unmindful. He doesn't have any, alligators are smarter than an ostrich. They hide their eggs. A loggerhead turtle is smarter than an ostrich. And you can't get much stupider than a turtle or an alligator. <gasps> oh, that's offensive. <laughs> Next time a turtle talks to you, let me know. You have a communication with them. She treats her young harshly as if they're not hers. She doesn't care that her labor was in vain. She's missing something. Verse 17, God didn't give her any wisdom. God just said, no, I'm going to have fun with this one. It's just silly. He didn't give her a share of good sense. Some people you could wonder about that sometimes. Well, we won't go there. <laughs> Yet she, when she spreads her feathers to run, isn't that a contradiction? Spreads her feathers to run? Come on. There's humor in this. God's belly laughing at this point. Job has a front row seat on the creation of God, making this crazy creature that can outrun most horses, can kick you in the head and kill you. But it's just silly. Why would God make an animal silly? Because it makes him laugh. There's no other answer. He likes it. Watch this. This is great. The angels are like, huh? You gave him wet feathers, but he can't fly? He's got legs like, he can run like a horse, but he's, he's got, it's just, God just can't, he's saying to Job, he winks at him. That's pretty cool, isn't it? Job, get out of yourself. When you lose your sense of humor, you've lost the joy of the Lord. 
He's not making light of Job's problems. He's not trying to belittle Job's pain. He's just saying, let me pull you out. You know, I've, I've, I've laughed with people in the middle of the darkest crises. Not a giddy, but a genuine, you know, not laughing at the problem or the pain, but just remembering fun things. And we've laughed together and, and have shared memories. And, and I've, I've, my, my wife and I have done so many memorials over the years. But there, there's, we just did one this week, one of the patriarchs in our church. Been here 30 years. Back to, goes back to Sanibel. Some of you don't realize how this church got here. Some of you parachuted in of recent, which is great. We love it. But there's been a lot of blood, sweat, and tears in the last almost 30 years to get this church to be what it is. And this was, Janet Lawrence was one of those. I mean, you talk about a lady, her son's in a terrible car accident, has a spinal cord injury, been in a wheelchair for the last, ever since we planted this church, last 25 years. She was an, uh, and don't, don't hear what I'm not saying here, and this is not, my mother was a smoker up till the day she, well, she, she quit the last few months of her life, but so I, and I love my mother, and she was a good woman. But anyway, Janet was a smoker, and God spoke to her and said, Jay's going to need you to take care of him. You need to quit smoking so you'll be around longer. She quit on the spot 25 years ago. She died this past week and uh, went to be with Jesus, and her family was here, and we laughed. They told stories. See, that, that's, get out. You, you, you can't live in dunghill in your grief and pain. It's okay to grieve, but you've got to have moments of levity. You've got to look at some things and just say, that's just funny. That's just God's sense of humor. And that's not belittling. So Job's in this place of, he goes on and talks about the horse, what we just saw at the beginning of the message, and then we'll close with the last words because God talks about the instinct he puts in a hawk. How do do, do birds know to migrate 3,000 miles to the same spot? Or whales or turtles. They, they, They swim thousands of miles Spot on to the same place they were born. Well, it's a, it's a, it's a happen chance. It's just evolution. They've just done it so many times. Come on. God put it in their chip and their, and their instinct. God puts it in it. You can't, you can Man cannot create. Creation cannot create. We can make stuff, but we can't make out of nothing life. And that's his job. And so all God's doing to Job is saying, I got this. I'm really good at this. You can can let go now. I got the wheel. You can trust, even though I'm not, no explanations here. It's just, I love you, Job. I care more about you than I love these animals. I care about you more than all of them put together. And finally, this first section, we'll cover the second next week. Verse 1 of 40, the Lord said to Job, will the one who argues with the Almighty correct him or be a fault finder? Can you imagine Job became a, and we've done that, a fault finder of God. Like we can pick God apart. Like we love God more than he loves whatever it is that we're upset at. And so we could understand him and comprehend him. And he said, you want to keep arguing, son? You want to keep? poking at me, finding fault. 
Let him who accuses God answer him. I've asked you a bunch of questions. You, what are you going to say? He's not drilling him to get him to confess to something. He wants to get him free from the weight of thinking he has to vindicate himself so much so that he'd rather throw God under the bus to make himself look good. And God's like, son, son, stop it. Stop it. You're letting lies run your mind. You're letting false images of me rule your life. And Job's response to the Lord in verse 3 then Job answered the Lord, I'm unworthy. How can I reply to you? I put my hand over my mouth. I spoke once, but I have no answer. Twice, I'll say no more. In verse 4, where he says, I'm unworthy, the word means I'm light. I'm a lightweight. It means if you put me on the scale, it really, it's like, does it move? I'm not a heavyweight. I'm not a significant Job is basically saying, I'm insignificant. Not in a demonic, shameful, oppressive, condemning way. We all need to know we're significant to God. That was what Jesus was trying to say about the ravens and not worrying and that God cares more about you. That's significance. But it's, not, it's, the, it's that false sense of I could correct God. I could tell God how to do this better than he's doing it. I'm, I'm not happy the way he did it. And I'm going to have a conversation with him about that. No, you're not. No, you're not. He'll have some questions to ask you. If you pass the test, if you pass the test, then maybe you could ask him a question. But you can't pass the test because you'll never be him. And Job's getting the freedom. I don't have to be Godlike. I don't have to know everything. I don't have to be perfect. I don't have to control anything. I can't run my life, let alone the universe. I, I, and he cares about me. I'm putting my hand over my mouth. Enough said. Father, I'm sure at that moment, just hugged him. The Lord Jesus, as the pre-incarnate Christ, just put his arms around him as he's weeping. I, I'm, I'm nothing. Oh, yeah. You're everything to me. See, once you know you're nothing, then you can receive that you're everything to God. It's okay to be nothing. It's okay to learn that you're, you're not all that in a bag of chips, as a friend of mine likes to say. You're, you're just nothing compared to God. You, you got, you, you, I like that T-shirt I saw. It was sad. The young guy had on one time. It, said, it says, I bring nothing to the table. That's horrible on a human level. But when it comes to God, it's a good shirt. I bring nothing to the table that God needs. If you think God needs you, needs your money, well, how else are you going to support those kids? I'll tell you how else. God will just touch somebody else's heart, and they get in on the blessing. He doesn't need a thing we've got. He doesn't need your talent. He gave them to you. He doesn't need your wisdom. He gave it to you. He doesn't need your success. He gave it to you. Everything we have is a gift. And so he's saying, Job, Job, I don't need anything you have, but I want to use everything I've given you. You're nothing, but you're everything. You're so much to me that I went to a cross and I'm planning on going to die for people like you, as unworthy as you feel you are, 
To me, you're more valuable than all of creation put together, and I'm going to die on a cross to validate how valuable you are. One soul, one person in this room to come to Jesus is the greatest miracle in creation. And there's lots of cool stuff happening we'll never see. The birth of a whale in the deep. I mean, what? just to see that, who knows what, God knows what they're saying. I create, go watch it, just this week, find something, go outside and stare at a flower, look at an anthill, follow birds around, do something that, that reminds you that you've got a, a genius heavenly father that's a creative wonder. Put some all back in your life. If you're too big of a hurry to notice the sunset, you're too big of a hurry. Stomp. And just appreciate the wonder. It's never the same. Every day it's different. And it's the goodness of God reflected in creation. And Job saw that goodness. It wasn't God trying to, to overwhelm him with all this intricate knowledge. And God was just reminding him that he's a good creator and that he cares about creation. And Job, I really care about you. I care about the pain you've been through. He cares where you're at, big or little. That's why he had little animals. It's not that he cares for a squirrel less than he cares for a deer. I do. I prefer the deer. I'm not a big fan of squirrels. But I'm not God. Be grateful. I don't like cats. God even likes cats. It's an amazing thing. <laughs> uh, those are one of the questions I think you'll probably be allowed to ask. Is it going, can I question? In the back. Yes, in the back. Way in the back. The guy that talks so much. Way in the back. Yes, why do I like cats? Because they messed with you, and I love them to mess with you. When I go to my daughter's house, it waits in the thing, and I hear this whoosh, and the claw goes whoosh by my head. He hates me. I've never done a thing to that cat. I've never pet it. I've never said bad things to it. And God goes, that's great. Play it again. Let's, let's, let's watch that in slow motion. Whoa. He's fun to go for a walk with. The Lord. Try it. Try it. He probably even likes walking in the mall. I don't know, but maybe, maybe he'll go with you. I think he abandons me if I'm ever in the mall. I feel abandoned. But he wants to walk. He wants to share life with you. He's your friend. He didn't come to crush Job. He came to cure him. He came to wash his mind from false thoughts that were hindering him from receiving the love of God. Let's pray. Maybe you've had some of those wrong thoughts that maybe you think God's mad at you or that you could never get to a place where he would look at you as something of value. Or maybe you've just let your questions take authority in your life of, if I don't get these answers, I'm not going to fully trust him. But God didn't give Job answers. He gave Job himself. He is the answer. And if you're here today, and whether it's you have questions, or you feel unworthy, or you feel overlooked, or you feel life's just been unfair to you, and, and maybe you can see now that you have a creator who loves you, who not only is your creator, but he's your savior. He came among us to die on a cross to restore you 
to the Father. It's not information. It's not theological answers that will restore us. It's the love of God demonstrated in the Lord Jesus Christ dying for us. He is our answer. Trust Him. So what do I do, Jamie? Just whisper a simple prayer. Just as He's whispered to you this morning. God's whispered to you that, yes, He does love you. Yes, He has purposes for you. You've heard that still, small voice. Don't discount it. Say yes to Him this morning. Say, Jesus, take my life. That's what Job basically did. He surrendered and said, I trust you. That's all he's waiting on this morning. Lord, give courage for those that need to make that stand this morning. And those online, Lord, that one that just feels your presence right now. You've brought them to this place of coming, being restored to you. Let it happen today. In Jesus' name, amen.